What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer Spoke. We are jumping into episode 305 today, and we have got a lot to talk about. And then we've got some cool things we're going to do on the backside of today's episode. Yay. So let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> we always have to call out any Queen references in this show because we both love Queen and Freddie Mercury. Let so them know. Let always got to put that out there. Absolutely. But anyway, we see Michael, Lindsay, and Melanie, and they're at the clinic, and Michael is there to drop off his deposit, <laughs> and the waiting room is full of a bunch of, like, hetero couples, and when they see the three of them, when they call Michael's name and they all they all get up together, they see the three of them, and it's two girls kissing on Michael, and you can see their faces. They're kind of like, well, what is the arrangement here? <laughs> right. A little confusing. You know? Yeah. Baby, don't don't worry about me, okay? Like, what? <laughs> Who says what's normal around here? Okay? Right, like, exactly. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Yeah, but so what we're seeing is that things are moving forward with them. They're at the point where they're they're getting ready for to make the uh yeah yeah. I bet <laughs> Michael was a nervous wreck. Like yeah, I don't think I could do it. I would be nervous, so nervous walking into the clinic. Yeah, you know? performing on command. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Well, we'll see what Michael does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Michael does get called back, and it's all very routine, very cut and dry. I mean, they just treat this as a very clinical step. Here's the cup. Here's some magazines. Don't take too long. And then it's go time. <laughs> and you would think they would be more accommodating for all orientations. And I think, like, now you can find clinics that are that way. Plus, if adulthood has taught me nothing else, it's that there are way more bi-curious men in the world than I originally thought. Come so. through, girl. Come <laughs> through, girl. Yes, absolutely. It is, though. It really is. But yeah, you would think they'd be more accommodating. All he had was straight magazines. They didn't ask him if he needed any additional help. Yeah. Uh, well, so Michael's uh, got uh, some work to do there. So we see Justin. He's backstage with... Okay, we're supposed to call him Ian now. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> uh, they are backstage at the High Fits competition. And Justin's there to support him and to give him a pep talk. And Ian is telling Justin that he is his muse and he couldn't do any of this without him. And it's a sweet sentiment, but, you know, musicians are usually a little bit extra. So. Yeah, because he extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he says that he's been playing for his grandfather his whole life. And turns out the grandfather was not well enough to travel to come see this competition. And Ethan needed a new motivator. And um, he tells Justin that he'll be playing for him today. And I'm like, listen here, writers, stop trying to make me love this, okay? <laughs> well, I can't because call me a hater, whatever the case. To me, they don't look good together. I mean, <laughs> Justin was so polished in his look, and he's not anyone performing, okay? Yeah. And he's polished in his look, and then Ethan come up looking stank. Like, did he not look unbathed? Like, he did look a little unwashed. Yeah, I mean, for real, he looked like he was just sweaty, hot, and stank. I was like, oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, your hair look like it ain't been washed in days. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, little shanty, baby, you need to go back to the shanty and jump in that that tub yeah. ASAP because you do um, not look clean. Now, I'm happy that Justin seems to be happy and that he is with someone who will say things like this to him. But don't be trying to voodoo me with this violin music yeah. and make me... <laughs> It is Team Brighton forever over here, and I will go down to the ocean floor with that sunken ship. Okay? I'm telling you, like that diamond in the Titanic, girl. I'm sinking, all right? Because <laughs> I'm not switching up. Uh, well, Ethan takes the stage, and he's really good, really great start. And while he's playing, we see Michael and Angela at the clinic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Angela going to town, y'all. Yes. And then we also see a couple on the street mugging down. Now, we don't know these people, but Debbie comes over to them. 
and interrupts them and asks if they have registered to vote. There is a um, mayoral race coming up, and she's asking, well, she's wanting to get people engaged. She wants them to support the candidate who's more aligned with their community. So very important work that she's doing out there. No, yeah. I mean, we need more people like that, um, like Debbie, out in the world. It's going to advocate for us. Well, so she's got her P-Flag people out there. Now, maybe more of them are scattered about because she's got on all her P-Flag gear. And she's also got on a button for Councilman Deacons, who is running for mayor. And But between Vic and Debbie, they have only registered 10 voters. So not mm. that great. <laughs> yeah, let me ask a question to you guys. Um, I'm speaking to my, my the gay listeners out here. Why aren't we like really involved in our community? Like just here recently, you know, I've been out and I never once, you know, got deep into community and tried to see what was going on, how we can make it better until I started working on the strip. And um, now I'm very aware of what goes on. I'm aware of what it takes to keep the community thriving and just flowing. Why aren't we more active in the community or are you guys active and what type of things do you do? I would love to hear that feedback. You know, to give me some more ideas what I can do to help better the community here where we are. Yeah, I feel like this is probably a table that I don't really have a seat at, but I can say that I think that it's a newer thing to have the freedom to voice that, to have more political, more of a political voice. That makes sense. When you're coming from the queer community, because before, I mean, you risked a whole lot by identifying yourself as someone who is gay publicly right? and then also trying to push what people say as, you know, trying to change American values or whatever, trying to go against that. That's been quite an uphill battle. So you're sure right. You know, and especially being in the South Mm -hmm. where we are. So seriously, I I can totally understand that. But I just want to see, you know, we have people all over. Yeah. You know, but it's getting better. And I think like once once there are things that people can unite under and unite around, then then that lets them know that, okay, there are numbers to this. It's not just me. Right. Sometimes you do have to be the Lone Ranger right. wherever you live. But once people can see that there are bigger numbers to this, I'm a part of something that's bigger than just me. Right. There are more people saying these things and feeling this way and wanting legislation that accommodates two lesbian women having a baby or whatever, you right. know, that accommodates things like that. So... I think that is helping, but yeah, there's still a journey to go. And it takes people being engaged, which is what Debbie and Vic are trying to do here. So true. Trying to say, hey, no, come out and get be engaged with what's going on around you. Now, please do not misunderstand. Number one, this isn't me pretending to be an expert or history buff or anything on this. We definitely want to recognize the trailblazers and brave and bold people who have fought this battle for decades. Before there were many, there were few. And I don't know all of their names, but the world benefits from their efforts. The LGBTQIA plus community and allies stand on the shoulders of many people who have done exactly what Debbie and Vic and Jennifer and the rest of the people are doing here. The people who have said, no, we're not going to be complacent. Even if no one is listening, we're still going to scream and shout and shake and throw things. Uh, So... We do know that that has been happening. I think that we're just speaking to, okay, how do we do more of that? And so what Ken is sincerely asking is, hey, tell us what you guys do to advocate for your community um, so that we can make sure that we're doing that. We definitely are committed to trying to put more good in the world. So that's where we're coming from. True, true, true. Absolutely. Sorry, I had to do that little break. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, I felt that. I just need yeah, to Yeah, no, no, question. no, you're good. Uh 
So Brian finds them on the street, and this is kind of what we're talking about. He's not a very active voter himself. The last time he voted was in the, like, what was it, the big basket contest at Babylon? So <laughs> yeah. Uh- not quite the type of uh, voting we're talking about here. Uh, well, they find out that the police chief is running against Mayor Deacon, or Councilman Deacons, I'm sorry. And Brian says that he really doesn't care either way. He says whether it's the Democrat who pretends he likes you, or the Republican who hates you and lets you know it, once they're in office, they're going to do whatever they want to do. Or they're not going to do anything for you. I mean, when he said that, I mean, that, it really set, hit home with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely not going to voice my political standpoint um, on our platform. But I will say that, I mean, he has a point. I feel like it really doesn't matter who you really vote for. I feel like once they get in, they all going to lie to you. Um, the politicians. I'm not yeah. going to say all. I mean, that's very, very strong. Yeah. Um, strong but, that, argument, but, but, but what you're say. saying, like, since I've been old enough to vote in which we haven't voted in very many elections. But right. anyway, since we've been old enough to vote, that's pretty much been the, a prevailing sentiment for a lot of people in marginalized communities. The politicians go in glad hand and pander in lower income communities. Absolutely. Or they go rub elbows with minorities and take the pictures with their babies. Yep. And they might, get in office. yeah, then they might distantly approve of some like corporate pride event or whatever that's going on. But it's all just to get the vote. And then history shows that like once they have the vote, definitely up until the early 2000s, as soon as you they climb up the backs of these people to reach their office, they forget about the people who helped them get there. Absolutely. And so what Brian is saying is a very real expression from a lot of people. A lot of people feel that way. I felt it. It hit home with me. Yeah. So Brian says made the best self-serving person win because that's his attitude toward it Mm -hmm. and that is an expected attitude and it's a hard one to change um it's hard to make people care about people who have only pretended to care about them and the feeling is that the politicians are going to do whatever they want to do no matter what i do and (laughs) uh yeah i mean we get that (laughs) we understand that i I seriously do and Mm -hmm. um i mean but the way you know when when brian says it though since he's brian kenny I don't think it's received the way it should have been received. It was some truth behind it. I mean, it's yeah. something that makes you think. But at the same time, I'm grateful for people like Vic and Debbie and then the real life people there who are their counterparts for challenging that understandable complacency. Uh, recent years have taught us that it's dangerous to just accept and embrace that kind of complacency and that attitude. So, so true. yeah, <laughs> be an active voter, whatever you <laughs> whatever your thing is, be active. So we go back to see Ethan strong finished while uh, Michael is working to get a strong finish. <laughs> Ethan is pretty laser focused and Michael looks like he's undergoing an exorcism. Girl, he was going through it. <laughs> Ethan does uh, stick his landing. He finishes big, but Michael does not. No, he's a little shortcomings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or not, not or coming cummings at, at all. all. Okay. But yeah, Ethan, well, let's get back on Ethan right quick before we even move on. Ethan murdered that. Okay, like that was his lane. He felt it. And I was feeling it. I don't even like Ethan. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> come through, Ethan. Like he he killed that scene. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that is his passion. Like that's why. And you, when you look over at Justin, Justin was feeling it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he, he connected like, okay, I see you in your lane. You're doing your thing. I'm proud of you. I mean, it sounded great. It was sexy. I don't know. Like, I don't know what he was playing, but it was sexy as hell. Uh, then we see Jennifer, and Debbie's got her out pounding the pavement with the other PFLAG people. And uh, Good old Jennifer. Yeah, she's trying to register voters also with the PFLAG group. And she's not getting any takers, but she does see two familiar faces. That's Ted and Emmett. 
And she asks them if they are registered. And Emmett registered the other day for yeah. a strip aerobics. That's <laughs> Yeah. Good old Emmett is good for the strip aerobics. Yeah. Well, Ted has been a registered Republican for many years. And that tracks for Ted's character because the assumption is that Republicans are more fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like something Ted would double down on. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I wonder if his friends knew uh, what would they think. I mean, because Emmett seemed a little shocked when he found out. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I wonder what they would say. Well, finding out Ted is a Republican makes Emmett want to register. He can at least cancel out Teddy's vote. So there's that. They tell Jennifer that they're looking for a house and she nominates herself to be their realtor. And I'm like, work that network, Jennifer. Yeah, big yeah. ups to you, Jen. She knew exactly when to insert card, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is a small thing, but I love how they are so respectful of Jennifer and how they acknowledge her place in their little found family. Like, yeah. she's got her little spot where she fits in, and they embrace her in that. And I really like that. Yeah, like, Because she needs that. She's had to find a whole new a whole new circle and a new family. And then these are the people who have loved and embraced her son. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to her to have that connection to them also. Absolutely. And it probably gives her reassurance that her son is in good hands. Yeah. Because these people are so nice and friendly to her. So if they like this to her, she knows they have to be better to her son. You know? Right. Because she's at first it was only her connection through Debbie. But now she's making friends with, with these two. Yeah. Like they know her. So Yeah. To the point where they trust her to help them in their search for a Absolutely. House. And they know if they disrespect her, they got to deal with Mama Hen. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> Debbie will come for you. Yeah. Well, back at the High Fits competition, the winner is announced, and it is Ling Lu. And that comes as a shock and a blow to Ethan. Uh, Justin comforts him and tells him that he was still wonderful. And then they were like, okay, let's just, let's just go. Let's get out of here. So they had to fly to wherever this is being held. Uh, well, as they're going out, a Mr. Glenn Bishop catches them on their way. And he is with Artist Management Associates. Okay, diners, if someone approaches you and says that they are in talent management, don't just get in the car with them. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> like, taking candy from a stranger, ask a whole lot of follow-up questions, snap a quick picture. In case <laughs> and you drop your location now. Yes. <laughs> okay. And now you can drop your location. Always keep an eye out on the exits. Yes. Like, yeah, everybody's a talent manager. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. Uh, well, Glenn tells Ian that he gave a great performance and that he has a great look. And he wants to talk with them over drinks and with Ethan over drinks. And Ethan asks if um if his boyfriend can come, basically. Right. I mean, this thing started out a little, a little weird to me. I was like, is Justin about to smash both of these guys? <laughs> you know what I'm I felt like, oh, a talent manager? manager? Okay, yeah, Brian, Justin finna get deep in him, and he finna get both contracts with both of them. You yeah. know, like, I don't know what Justin gonna do, <laughs> but he gonna come out with a contract too, you know? Well, we see Michael at the diner, and he is telling Brian all about his performance anxiety and his failure to launch at the <laughs> clinic. <laughs> yeah. Nothing was swimming. That breaststroke wasn't happening yesterday. It was not. Uh, Brian happened to, he says that he whipped up the batter that became Gus in a sex club. <laughs> so Yeah, that's, that sounds about that right. That sounds about right, yeah. Well, Debbie comes over to ask Michael how things went, and Brian tells her that, he didn't live up to being an Italian stallion. <laughs> so <laughs> He didn't pony up. Yeah, the mm-hmm. puns are exactly what I expect them to be from this show. Yes. Yeah. Michael is feeling a little down on himself because he feels like this was his first duty as a father and he failed. And he probably underestimated how uncomfortable it might be. That's what I was yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. It's like, do this and do this right now in this room, in this cup, and then I'm going to come get it from and you. And you got three minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay, we're closing. 
Well, Michael has enough of Debbie and Brian, so he, in true Michael fashion, stands up and accidentally announces to the whole diner that he is going home for some old shake weight time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love the little man. comment from someone in the diner, like, anybody know where he lives? Yeah, for real. Like, hey, let me get that Addy right now, okay? Yeah. Drop that location. You need some assistance. Little hands-on assistance. So then we see Justin Ethan and Glenn, and they're at a very nice cocktail spot. And uh, so a little bit more information. Glenn is a talent representative. He arranges bookings, tours, and recording contracts. And he wants to represent Ethan. And Ethan asks him, well, why I lost? And he says, well, the image of classical music is changing and they need young, hip, and sexy artists. And Justin wants to know, like, is that the only reason that you're interested in him? Because he's cute. And Glenn says, well, he's an extraordinary talent, but he's also a talent that he can sell. And so to Ethan, it kind of sounds like he's going to be a commodity because he takes his art very seriously. We know how much time he spends working on that. And so it's like, okay, so you're just looking at me like a commodity? And the real story is probably somewhere in the middle. The I real guess. story is, yeah, you're a commodity because these companies <laughs> don't give a damn about you. You are a product that they can market. They yeah. can make millions from you and trick you in these contracts for you to sell your, si- your little soul or. Uh, life away to them and slave for them when you make little chump change and they make all the coin off of you. Yeah, I feel like it's a game of percentages. So like they need to reach 100. And so 70% can be your talent, but 30 can be looks or 30 can be talent and 70 can be looks. And in this case, I'm gonna say it's 70 talent (laughs) because I do not like his looks. (laughs) Yeah, well, with those trying to reach that 100%, they might factor in things like charm and charisma and whatever else, as long as the total package is 100%. Right. And so that's what the guy is saying without saying it. And then, so Justin excuses himself to go to the restroom. Do you think that je- Justin is jealous? Oh, a sl- uh, little, little tad bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because right now, we don't know what the motives are really for this man. Like, yes, you're saying you're a talent scout, but I mean, you really ain't saying shit. You're talking in circles at the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so, you don't ask me anything about my music. Yeah, nothing about the music. You keep complimenting the looks. It's the second time you just said something about the looks, okay? Like, so which one is it? Like, I'm sitting right here. Do you want my man? Like, what is it? <laughs> I mean, just say Yeah, it. I think that Justin, is start, he can, like, see through what this guy is doing. And he's like, okay, this isn't solely about Ethan's talent. This is about them trying to, like I said, sell a package deal. Yep. And so... But he's staying out of it. So for the most part, like he was asking some questions, but I think he knows that this is Ethan's decision to make. So he gets up and, and leaves. And I just kind of watching him in that scene, like, no, I don't think he wants, is jealous that Ethan is getting this offer and he's not. I, but I think he's just like, mm, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me, let me, let, let me clarify. I don't mean that he's jealous of Ethan's opportunity. I think that he's got an eyebrow raised because this man, we don't know the really the motives of right. of this man. So I think it goes with what you're saying, but I want to clarify. Want yeah, to clarify. well, and I didn't ask the yeah. question very clear. Yeah, no, yeah. So is he jealous? Uh, maybe not. Maybe jealous is the wrong word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But does he have an eyebrow raised? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then on top of that, like Ethan just told him, like, I'm playing for you. You're my muse. This is all for you. You're my reason for doing this now. And then like, this will make it about something else. Yeah, This something will make else. his reason based on something mm-hmm. else. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, he gets up and goes to the restroom. I think, I do think that if he was going to interfere, if he didn't want this, want Ethan to have this, then he wouldn't have left to have them talk alone. But I think that he's just kind of taking it in because after you hear about national and international tours and things like that, and you're coming off a relationship where you didn't feel like there was enough time or consideration for you, I can imagine that might be kind of... 
You know, I didn't think of it like that. But also, we we'll always forget how mature Justin is. You know, that's true. And how considerate Justin is. That's true. Yeah. And also, he wasn't feeling to do energy, so I could easily see Justin popping off on him. Yeah. Justin can check you and read you so professional. Mm-hmm. He would read you so quick, and then you know the whole deal would be yeah, done. Yeah, those country club little manners. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know he know how to read. Okay, the boy's the king of the shade. He know how to throw it. Well, when he leaves, Glenn says that. Oh, he's a good-looking kid. I enjoyed meeting him. And Ethan does tell him that Justin's an amazing artist. And Glenn says, well, yeah, I enjoyed meeting him. But if you sign with me, I don't want to see him again. So as far as Ethan's professional career is concerned, Justin cannot exist. Mm, That's just terrible. Yeah. (laughs) That just puts him in a rock and hard place. Like, damn. Do I sacrifice my morals? Or do I choose this career? You know what I'm saying? Like, do I right. go my morals it's or do a, I choose this career? It's a de- definitely a difficult, yeah. difficult situation. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, if it was me, <laughs> how much shake are we talking? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure I can get my man to, you know, hide in the shadows. Yeah. You know, let me know. Let me know. So, Brian and Gardner are at an event being held for Stockwell, uh, Jim Stockwell. And they are not really there in support of the candidate, but they are more on the prowl for some potential business. Hell yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, (laughs) this event costs $5,000 a person. And you need to do do a little bit more than have me sitting around hoping to shake your hand for that kind of coin. That part. Okay, (laughs) I want the three-course meal. Well, actually, the five-course meal, I want that. Where is the live music? I want to see some fire or something. (laughs) You know, something like your little... Little banquet dinner is boring for one, you know, and you got me dropping out money like this. But I will say in this scene, I did like because at first when we met Gardner, I hated him. Right. I love how he and Brian work together now. Mm-hmm. It's like they have a good little partnership. They understand that each other's talent. They do. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Gardner comes right to Brian. You know, he he feeds him all the info, and it's like it's a dog. He sicks him on him because yeah. he, he knows he mm-hmm. knows that Brian's gonna come back victorious. But he yeah. knows which bones are worth going after. Exactly. <laughs> he's sending he Justin, uh, sending a uh, sending Brian after. Yeah. Uh, well, as Gardner is putting Brian's eyes on all of their targets, a guy walks into Brian's crosshairs, mm. and you can consider him distracted <laughs> at that point. Yes. <laughs> he follows this guy to the restroom, and I'm going to share an unpopular opinion here. Uh, I didn't really need this one. It just gave me nothing. Yeah, it was almost a little forced, you know? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I would have been fine with a, fl- a fade to black here, and I generally don't. For this show, I don't expect it to fade to black, but I would have been okay with that here. It didn't make any sense why, because the dude, it was, it, it'd, be, it'd be different if the guy was, you know, a handler of the the runner of uh, Jim of Stockwell, Jim. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of Stockwell. If if he was like a handler or something, you know, an advisor or something, or the nephew, some end to that, you know, right? But, but it didn't it make any just, sense. It yeah. was like, like it's Brian, so we gonna have Brian smash somebody. Yeah, well, because know? generally. All of their sex scenes have some point or they're punctuating some other right. point. But this was just like, okay, sure. You know, it tracks with Brian's character because he's at this event and he sees a hot guy and he's bored. And so he's going to go do whatever he's going to do. But I just kind of shrug at this one like, eh, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Anyway, so when they are done in the restroom, the candidate Stockwell comes in and Brian strikes up a conversation with him. Now, either when Brian was talking to Deb and Vic, either he pretended not to know anything or he used that knowledge he got from them in this conversation. He I used think, that knowledge. Well, see, I feel like Brian always knows what's going on. <laughs> no, Brian does always know what's going on, but I don't, I don't think, think that he cared to use he it didn't necessarily. Care. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he didn't care. But I think that he saw the passion that came from Debbie and Vic and what she was saying. He, he could use that to his advantage. Yeah, I think he saw an opportunity with, okay, here's this man right here. We're looking at all these potential clients. 
he instead knows of going a lot. At, yeah, instead of after going after each one of them individually, I just take the top guy yeah. and then I mean, yeah, cut the head of the snake. <laughs> Let's we're gonna go right to the top, cut the yeah. middleman out. Yeah, well, so as Brian's talking to him there in the restroom. He's not brown nosing. He tells him that his campaign is stale and that he points out a few reasons why why he might be trailing in the polls. And it's pretty obvious that Stockwell is not accustomed to being handled that way. And Brian tells him, well, I'm not a supporter. I'm here as an ad man. I'm trying to connect with some of your rich and powerful friends. And so it's like savage. Yeah, like okay. here's what I'm here to do. Boy. Here's what I care about. <laughs> and That's uh, why I love Brian. He is definitely gonna be one hundred percent honest with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You may not like it, but you know it's real, okay? Um, the boy was savage with it. He let him off the rip like, hey, I need you. And this is why I need you. But you also need me because your right. campaign is garbage. Like, mutual benefit. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, he was real in that moment. Yeah, so he shoots straight with them. He's not interested in politics by his own admission. Um, he is there for personal gain and for his professional gain. And he could have just ignored him in the restroom, but he knows the best way to get in with Stockwell's supporters is to get in good with Stockwell. And so he offers, it's like, when you're ready for a better campaign, you know where to find me now. Here's that my part. card. Yeah. So then we see Michael and he's in bed and it's about 530 in the morning and Ben is heading out to a class that starts at eight. Now, when I do the math, that's it's a lot of time. A lot to of get time. To class. 530 in the morning, bro. I mean, it was dark as hell. There was yeah. no sun, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And he had been up because he's fully dressed and everything, ready to go out the door. Well, Michael tries to pull him back to bed and Ben says that he wants to hit the gym. And Michael's like, hey, well, I'm kind of needing your help to fill this little cup. And he says it's important that he gets it over to Melanie and Lindsay pretty soon. And then Ben says, well, it's important to me that I get to the gym as soon as possible. Um, He said it way more crazy yeah, than that. Yeah, he's okay? got way more bass in his voice when he says it. Yo, I, got, <laughs> yeah. I was terrified. I had my hand on my chest and leaned back. Yeah, I was I said, who is this lunatic? Excuse me. <laughs> Yo, yeah. the locks would have been changed that day. Yes, bitch. Get your own apartment. You know what I'm saying? It's time for, for you to beat real, your ring feet. Bells, that, that little uh, newspaper back out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you get the classifiers, baby, because, uh, yeah, it's time for your ass to go. <laughs> I don't know who you are. It's five o'clock in the morning. You done scared me. Get out. Going to the gym. That aggressively? It's time for you to go. Okay. For real. Yeah. If the gym is that serious <laughs> to you. Yeah. Okay. I want mm-hmm. a quickie. I'm trying to make your day. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what you going to do. Okay. Yeah. And, like, I get that there's a lot happening with Ben. There's a whole combination of things. There's the baby talk for sure. He said that he was happy about Michael becoming a father, but it does touch on some of his pain, and I understand that. But you don't have to project that shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. But, you know, nobody is really big tribe. So I do want to say that, big tribe. But no one else is really considering Ben, but they they might not know him well enough to do that. I, I don't know. Well, he seems a little standoffish to me. He <laughs> is. He has put some distance between him and everyone else. And uh, I mean, he was making an effort when when he Emmett heard, lived yeah. there with them. But now Emmett's doing his own thing. And so I don't know. Maybe he doesn't feel like these are his people yet for him to talk to about this stuff going on. But anyway, he's going through all of this stuff alone. But in a lot of ways, it's by choice. And he's just very self-focused right now. And understandably so to an extent, but he's making some not great decisions. No, he's not. Not not at all. And unfortunately, it's at a time when Michael is distracted and not very engaged with what's Mm -hmm. happening with Ben. Yeah, I'll say Ben isn't really letting him into that, though. And then Michael spent the first couple of episodes of this season with Brian, and so he hasn't really been engaged with him, and now he's focused on the baby stuff, and I don't know. It's just, it's all just a bad 
set up. Yeah, it's just um, bad timing, you know, yeah. like how everything kind of played out. Um, but again, Ben doesn't have to walk through this alone. I mean, it'd be different if Michael, I mean, because he's done with the whole Brian thing. So he's been trying to get close to you and reconnect with you, but you've been pushing him away. In addition to, like, the very real-life stuff that Ben has going on, there are also just these side effects of steroids. And I think that's more of what we're seeing. Because even if he feels those other things naturally, it's all being heightened by yes. his steroid use. I mean, erectile dysfunction and decreased sex drive. Ben doesn't seem to be in the mood very often lately. No, he uh, hasn't. The mood swings, the paranoia. Yep. And paranoia is not just someone is watching me, but it's just, like, obsessive, I have to do this or everything will go bad kind of thing. And aggressive behavior. So, Ben is modeling all of that. And I'm like, Ben, you need to calm yourself down. Please, man. <laughs> do something. A cold shot. Whatever you need. Whatever you need to do, you need to calm yourself down. Get it. Bring it down like five clicks. Because okay? you, you at a 10, I need you at a 2. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, then Justin and Ian are out for a stroll. And they are back in Pittsburgh now. And Justin says that Ethan barely said a word to him on the flight home. He's like, you've been quiet. So he points that out because we know Ethan is not usually Never. quiet. Yeah. And Justin's very surprised that he's not shouting from the rooftops that he's going to be a star, that he's got this great deal and this great opportunity. And Justin wants to take him out to the diner and to tell everyone this great news. I find it interesting that Justin wants to announce Ethan's news at the diner because those are his people. That's his place. And so that's a small thing, but it's a possibly significant thing that he is most excited to go to the diner and deliver this good news about Ethan there. He's not talking about going to Ethan's friends or even calling Jennifer. He wants to go to the place that feels like home for him, where he wants to celebrate. This is the place he wants to celebrate his accomplishments. So y'all know me. I just have to point out something very small like that. So it sounds like Justin has reason to believe that Ethan has signed or will sign with this guy. But then Ethan says that Glenn wants him to be straight if he signs with him. It's a condition of his contract that he, at least to the public, has to appear to be straight. And um, Justin's like, well, it's none of his business. You know, if, if you're this great talent and you're going to sell albums, it's none of, his, none of his business what you do in your personal life. And Ethan agrees with that, but he knows the score here. And I kind of respect that about him. I don't want to, but I kind of do. Yeah, I do. And he, he knows, he, uh, like you said, he knows the score. He knows the business. He has to be marketable. And you can't put any labels on yourself. You have to be, even in a relationship, you have to word it where you're not. Are you married? I'm not married. You didn't say you were single. You're right. not married. You know? So, I mean, he knows what comes along with it. Um, but also, my thing is, what the hell did y'all talk about after the drinks? Right. You know? like, <laughs> what did y'all talk about after drinks? Why are he just not knowing this now? Y'all right. Had... Why was he the whole flight home <laughs> yeah. thinking that you were going through with this? You <laughs> didn't tell him up front. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I'm like. What? What is going on? Like. You talk about everything, then you become a mute. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Ethan is kind of presented with a hard choice. I mean, this is an opportunity of a lifetime in a way, but it's going to come at a great cost. And but then you know, say opportunity of the lifetime of a lifetime, but really, is it if you don't even really get to be yourself to take it? So that's why I say he had a crossroads. I mean, you really have to make a decision. Like, I mean, go with my true self or jeopardize my morals. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he says it's all about purse power, which is a very real thing, very true thing. A hot young guy on an album cover translates to record sales and lots of dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's very true. And I'm sure we have no clue how many actors and actresses or entertainers have had to continue to live in the closet because they're more marketable as straight or even asexual. And I think it's a little bit different now. 
where you see people doing like Not queer. Even. Well, no, you see people doing queer baiting. And so in some settings, it's more fashionable or lucrative to be sexually ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while that's great for people who identify as queer in one way or another, the other thing is that you have all these posers who are just pretending so yep. they look cool and can gain this following of people who are so hungry, this following of people that's so hungry and grateful for representation. And so I don't think that part's cool either. Yeah, we have several artists out right now that I feel is doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's out there just eliciting that lifestyle, and they're not even being authentic and true. Right, I and they're mean, just have... doing it to, you know, instead of purse power, I don't know, maybe call it rainbow power. I'm not yeah. sure, but they're just trying to get those dollars. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It all comes down to greed. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, ugh. He, ugh. It's just, it's just, you know, when they do season six of this show, I want them to explore that. No, seriously. <laughs> to find a way exactly. to explore we don't mean a reboot. We mean another season, y'all. With these people, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ethan is Ethan is saying they don't really care about my talent, and that's a fortunate afterthought. He knows that he won't really be taken seriously, but he also knows he could possibly sell a bunch of CDs, and so it would beat hawking his mixtapes on the corner. <laughs> um, and he won't have to wear those homeless gloves no yeah, more. Yeah, well, Justin's like, okay, well, so what are we doing here? Where does this leave us? And Ethan says, together, because I'm not signing. And Justin does understand this could be your big break. Are you sure about that? And part of me wants to think that Justin's like, ooh, that could be an exit for me. <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing. Or I was thinking he was like, oh. You're going to give your career up for me? You should go. You should yeah. go with your career. I'll be fine. Just go. Yeah, no, trust me. <laughs> we'll reconnect. Yeah. Uh, if it's meant to be, it'll be meant to be. We'll come back. Yeah, but I think Justin might not like it, but he can see that it would be a dream come true for Ethan. And he he respects that it's not his decision to make, even though he's he knows he's going to be affected by it. But Ethan says, it's my talent, my life, my decision, and my boyfriend. I think he thinks that's his final decision, but I'm willing to wager that the idea is still kicking around in the recesses of his mind Mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. So Brian is headed to his office and Cynthia is trying to warn him that someone is in his office already. Uh, And it turns out Jim Sockwell is there with the people running his campaign and he wants Brian to tell them what he said in the restroom the other night. It's like, hey, tell them what you told me. <laughs> you know what? And I love that. Like, okay? mm-hmm. he recognized what Brian said was some truth. Okay. Yeah. The next day you up in my office with your advisors, the ones I just shredded. Brian shredded his advisors. He let him know that your advisors, you know, they got you right where they want you at. Okay. You're spending all this money and you're not going to win because they got you where you are. And he, and, and Brian lit their asses up too. Oh, yeah. He doesn't uh, hold back. No. Because he knows that he's right. Yeah. And even if he knows nothing about running a political race, he knows how to sell a product. And he's like, that's how you have to look at this. This is a product that you're trying to sell to the public. He knows that they have a product that no one is buying. Nope. <laughs> so Stockwell's team does not appreciate Brian's criticism, but Brian doesn't really care. Uh, because he's in the business of selling things and he knows that he can sell Stockwell. Right. And, and he it, can. Mm-hmm. But if he does, I'm like, boy, if you do this shit, Debbie is never, if you think you had it bad already with Debbie, she's about to light <laughs> your ass up. Okay. Yeah. It, it'll be, ooh, it, ooh boy. Mm-mm-mm. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> we see Jennifer and she's showing Emmett and Ted a place and it's a new build, never been lived in. And it works for Ted, but not for Emmett. It's not Emmett's style. So then she takes them to one that does match Emmett's style. It was built in the 40s. I told you I should be Emmett because yeah. that house was for me, too. Yeah, it's got charm and character. Yes. Yeah, well, Ted hates it. And 
all he sees is the necessary renovation. So just like dollar signs is what he sees. All they have to do is call Lita if they need <laughs> renovations, though. Let her live there for free. Y'all, y'all should <laughs> yeah. be on point. Put her up in the attic. Put She'll leave, attic. live there for free. She'll Hell, <laughs> she might even have a threesome with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> She'll strap on for you. You never know. Okay. She sure will. Uh, oh, I was going to say something, but I won't. <laughs> no, go on. What's she going to do? Uh, I recently found out what pegging is. Girl, that's so, a new thing. So Lita would, be, <laughs> Lita, yes. would, Lita would be there for them, yeah. Yeah, so they'll just have Lita roll back through and get them right where, where they need to be. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love the split screen thing they do with this scene and how they're both li- how they're both listing the merits of their preferences for right. the houses. And then they're like, Jennifer, what do you think? And she knows enough to not get in the middle of that. So, yeah, she will just let them talk yeah. it over. She's like, yeah, I'm going to let you guys decide. Yeah, that's the best choice you could have done. Let's yeah, clap it up for Jennifer. Job. Yeah, good job, Jennifer. <laughs> Uh, Melanie and Lindsay are at the diner, and Debbie is giving them two free pink plate specials because they are family now. Mm. And Melanie says, well, we may not be family for long if Michael doesn't come through. And she said that <laughs> on a whisper, okay? Yeah, and Debbie was like, oh, what now? What, what about my beloved child? Yeah, did I hear, did <laughs> my, I hear my child? Did I hear his name? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, for one, y'all should know by now, don't mention his name. That's a name we do not speak. Okay, because Debbie would get dead on your ass, okay? Like, don't say anything about Michael in front of her. Her precious, innocent little child, okay? Uh, So they have, like, a three-day window, and that is closing fast. So they need Michael to perform. And uh, speaking of windows, Brian shows up with a sign for the window at the diner, and it's a Sockwell for Mayor poster. Messy Brian has been spotted. (laughs) <laughs> messy Brian. Why would he even come in here with that he shit? He knows better. Yeah. Yeah. He just wanted to get under Debbie's skin. Mm-hmm. Okay. He knows ain't like, no way they're putting that, that poster up there. He knows that Debbie has been sweating out her wig on the sidewalk <laughs> trying to rally people to vote against Stockwell. And she can't believe he is supporting what is, in her words, that fascist pig. Yes. And then even Lindsay says, well, you know how Stockwell feels about gay people. How could you sell your soul to the devil? And Brian says he hasn't sold his soul to the devil. He's just billing him for time and expenses. That part. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, Brian's very clear about why he's putting himself in Stockwell's corner. It's not to support him. It's to make the right connections, to fatten his pockets, and propel him in his career. Like, Brian knows what his reasons are. And I think, you know, they always say, well you know, how can you look yourself in the mirror kind of thing? And he knows what his reasons are. Like, he doesn't go the extra mile to explain the, those reasons to his friends and his family, but he knows, he why, knows. He's, mm-hmm. why he's doing it. And they're so silly. They should already know that. Although, Brian, if Brian is representing this guy, he's going to put a spin on it. You know, like, there's yeah. going to be, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I truly feel that Brian's going to put a spin on it because there has never been a time well, for one, Brian stands up for gay rights. He he's a he's an advocate um, advocate for you know in his own way. Yeah, yeah, living your true self, being who you are unapologetically. I mean, that's who he is. So I feel like if someone is out there hating the gay community, he he's gonna take that in, and then he's gonna make you you know what I'm saying think otherwise because he's gonna blow your shit up. But he's also gonna put that gay shit in there too. So <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna mix it in there. Either you're gonna take it or you're gonna lose or you're gonna leave it, and they always take it. He really isn't looking at it any deeper than this is what I'm doing to to get a leg up, you know, personally. He's not, he already said he doesn't care who wins. And he's like the guy who hates you in your face or the guy who hates you behind your back. So he's very self-interested in this and he doesn't feel any shame or guilt about that. And I don't really think that 
what I appreciate is that the show isn't making that right or wrong. What he's doing, what he's saying is just like, no, this is the choice he's making and this is why he's doing it because this is something that can advance him, propel him. And so that's why he's doing it. Um, And so on a personal level for like for Brian's personal level, I get where he's coming from. I don't think that I could make that same separation to that extent. I mean, I know every day we intentionally and unintentionally support someone or something that maybe we shouldn't like, for example, when you are on the internet and you think you found a gold mine because you can find a website that'll give you a shirt and some jeans and some matching shoes for $15. And you're not really thinking about the fact that you can get that for $15 because they're paying some five-year-old three cents in some other country to produce it like well, that. Well, girl, don't ruin it now. <laughs> like, that's the wrong example. But yeah, like, oh my God. But that's true. <laughs> like, if, we, if we just don't think about that because, know. you know, we do... Uh, what I'm saying is like we, we contribute to things like that all the time. Sometimes... True. Even on accident, we we True. just do it. And, you know, I didn't really mean to go there, no, but here no, we no. are. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah. It's not funny, but it was funny, you know? Like, yeah, funny, but anyway, the point is that Brian is ignoring what he wants because the personal gain is high enough to block the view. True. Um. So, yeah. And Mo- Melanie says, anything you do to help him get elected is hurting us. And Debbie is not very happy with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. Well, Justin comes over to the counter to pick up an order because he's working a shift there. And Debbie tells uh, them that, well, at least there's some people with integrity left in the world. She tells them about Ethan and that he was offered a great contract, but he turned it down because they wanted Justin out of the picture. And Brian is listening to that, and I don't think he's impressed. No, I mean, for one, he know, Ethan is not even on, it's not even the same playground <laughs> as Brian. But do you think Debbie said it just to try to, you know, get a dig at him? Oh, sure. I'm sure yeah. of it, because they don't want to hear, Brian doesn't want to hear you singing Ian's praises, you yeah. know, <laughs> and making him, like, not Ian. look better than, you know, Brian doesn't want them saying things that make him, that make Ian look better than him. <laughs> <laughs> that part, okay. Yeah. But he might also be disappointed in a weird way, you know. Uh, he says, so now Ian's back on the corner playing for Peanuts. And he said, someone should tell him there's something, no, there's nothing noble about being poor. And then he scalds himself on his coffee, just like Debbie intended. <laughs> <laughs> Michael has come to jerkatwork.com studios. <laughs> and uh, he, I love it because he's there to complain about performing on cue, and he is literally surrounded by guys who are performing, performing on cue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's using Ted this has as them a, on a very tight schedule, so. Okay, and Ted monitors everyone. Yeah. But I love how he's using Ted as a therapist. Yeah, laid back on that couch there. Yeah. With the penis pillow. Yeah, <laughs> at the Bourne studio. <laughs> well, Ted says he just needs to relax or to get Ben to give him a hand. And he tells him that he did ask Ben, and nearly, Ben nearly bit, bit his head off. Uh, well, Ted looks very surprised by that. I mean, I get that Michael is stressed about the baby stuff, but Melanie should have another window in like a month or two. I don't know. It, it I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about ovulation cycles. I should, but I just don't. Okay. But it doesn't have to happen in that moment. And yeah. also, I mean, it's going to take a couple tries. It never takes the first <laughs> try artificially. Like. <laughs> You got to do this every month, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. get it together. A guy walks in. He's wearing something that looks like a modified Rage costume. And uh, he is the Rage-inspired addition to Ted's lineup. And Michael is uh, very interested in that. There's so many layers to that. And I live for the layers on this show because it's a superhero. 
from a comic book that Michael created, who is based on his best friend, who he's had this unrequited crush on for 17 years. And so it's just like... That part. No, layers. So, I mean, he would have got a little taste of... His little taste of Brian. Yeah, so but also his, like, superhero fantasy. Mm-hmm, so, like, true. all of that wraps up into one. And it didn't hurt. It, you know what I'm saying? Rage was raging. You know what I'm saying? Like, hung like a horse. <laughs> it was nice through that little metallic outfit. I loved it. Yeah. And also, I love to see that uh, Michael was down with a swirl. And he is using his mind-melding powers to get Michael where he need- he's he been trying to go. So, uh, Ted gives him a- an assist and comes through with a paper cone cup thing. And then Michael runs to the girl's house with it <laughs> to drop off his deposit. Why he didn't take a cap? I, because this is Michael, yeah. <laughs> well, he gets there and he hands it off to Lindsay. She slams the door in his face. She's like, all right, your deed is done. <laughs> and then she runs upstairs and Mel is mostly ready. They do take a minute to just kind of be in the moment and let it all sink in. I think that that's important. That I like that beautiful. they did that. It yeah, nice because, moment. yes, they needed the sperm from a man, but this was something for them, for them something to be intimate between the two of them. And so... I like that Melanie kind of slowed her down and was like, hey, let's just sit here for a second and make this about us and conceiving our child. And I love that Melanie was nervous and Lindsay was confident mm-hmm. and was very, you know, nurturing and soothing in that moment. Because you you never see Mel bothered. Like, I mean, she's bothered by Brian, but you never see her stressed or nervous or really scared. She, it's always Lindsay. Lindsay didn't want to confront the parents about anything. Lindsay didn't want to say nothing to Lita about anything. It's always her. So the fact to see the roles reversed, I was like, oh, this is a really nice scene. And it's giving some power to Lindsay. I liked it. Yeah. And I know this procedure can be done at home. And I'm just going to guess that Melanie and Lindsay have uh, done some some research on how exactly to, to go about this. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Brian and Michael are out for a walk. And Michael is happy to have that part of it over. And I'm like, oh, Michael, how sweet. You think that that's going to be the most challenging part of fatherhood? That's very cute. <laughs> so. Uh, well, there's violin music playing in the park, and we already know that this block belongs to Ian because he <laughs> won it in a turf war against Ling Lu. So, that part, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we know there's only one violinist playing over here. <laughs> well, Brian tells Michael that he will meet him at Babylon, and Michael is slow to go on ahead, but he does when he... And I'm sure Michael heard the violin music, and maybe that's why he was kind of slow to walk away. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you're not going to take a look on But him also, I'm like, Michael, go worry about your own man because his life is in shambles right now. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, <laughs> so. you're out here with your best friend when, when you can't even get and a word. And leaving him husband. going to Babylon. Like, you need to go talk to Ben. Yeah. But you know, at this time, you know what I'm I feel like, Michael, yeah, fuck Ben. You know what I'm saying? Let me go clear something out at Babylon. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, I've tried. Like, this is like the it's second, true. third time he didn't try with Ben. And Ben didn't like bit his head off. So I was. Last last episode, I was like, girl, being crazy. Like, what's up? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Ben is doing a lot. Yeah, doing the, the, the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian goes over and he pulls out some money. And Ethan says, keep your money. I don't, e- I don't need it. Well, that's not what Brian had heard. Uh, he <laughs> says, well, I see you're still peddling yourself like any other whore. And he makes a comment about Ethan selling his soul, which is funny because that's what he got accused of doing in the diner for... Taking on Sockwell as a as a client, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which he kind of did. Yeah, and Brian, at this point, is kind of doing the opposite of what Ethan is doing. Brian is signing up to make the enemy win, or at least to give him a fighting chance because of how it might benefit Brian. But Ethan is refusing a lucrative contract to keep his relationship, and more importantly, 
control of his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Brian doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so they're having this conversation. It's a very interesting interaction between the two of them because you're like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, um, are you going to give me some real legitimate advice or are you going to try to shade me because of uh, the history of, you Yeah, know, like person? Ethan's already expecting the shade. Yeah. And yeah. But Brian says, well, I know that you've worked hard at perfecting your craft and uh, to become who you are now. And then he says, are you going to let all that work go to go to waste? And Ethan's like, well, why do you care? Why are you even over here talking to me about this? And Brian says, well, you deserve to be heard. And Ethan says, he tells him, well, they want me to to sell out. To which Brian says, you should do it. And Ethan says, so you can get Justin back? And Brian says, I don't want him. Like, Brian Kenny, you're lying again. Lying again. But also, <laughs> I mean, he can't be, Brian, well, Brian can't show that he really, you know, Brian can't put his heart out there to this little youngster. Right. Well, he's not going to, if if he's going to tell anybody, he ain't going to tell Ethan. No, not yeah. at all. And, but I should have followed up with, Bruh, if I warned him, he would be mine. Yeah. You only have him because of me. Okay? True. Like, I could have kept him from leaving, and I could get him back right now if I wanted Yeah, to. if yeah. I wanted. But, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. But he says, I just hate to see someone holding on to their integrity for no good reason. Um, And Brian is such a complex and complicated character, because on the one hand, he absolutely subscribes to, to that with limitations. But on the other hand, he's held on to integrity or just his mantras and mottos at his own expense and at the expense of other things like accounts, like that guy in the hotel who was like, Hey, if you sleep with me and we ignore the fact that my daughter just broke her arm, like I'll give you these accounts <laughs> and also his relationship. So there are times when Brian has held on to his, his mottos and his integrity, quote unquote, but then there are times when he, where he didn't. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He, so he's, he's pretty complicated. Uh, but, my question in this scene is like, what is Brian's motivation here? What do you think his motivation is? In his this motivation scene? is to separate Justin and him. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is to separate them. But also, I think he truly believes like, yo, this is a one lifetime, one in a lifetime opportunity. You don't know if you're going to get a second one coming up. You have to seize that moment because normally the industry go for younger people anyway, because they can market them for a longer time. And then when they get older, they can dispose of them. Take this opportunity. They're talking about world tours and signing you up. You're already broke. You're out here playing on the damn streets. You know what I'm saying? And now, now it goes into if, you know what I'm saying? Now it goes into if you're going to have Justin, you need to be able to provide for Justin. In that first moment, I disagree with you. In this moment, I think it pertains to that now. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have Justin, you need to be able to provide for Justin. He knows signing that contract will get, you know, will get more money coming in. Your little $40 a day ain't doing shit at all. I'm paying for your man's tuition. You should be paying for your man's tuition. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of shit. So... I feel like he's trying to tell him some, I think he dropped some knowledge on him. And what Brian said in that moment was, hey, there's a way for you to get what you want, you know what I'm saying, and still come out and win. You know, like, you know how to, you got to know how to play the game. And so, I mean, he was telling him, like, yo, there's two ways to do this. Because Brian would Brian would have signed that contract, kept Justin, and still came out victoriously. Yeah, I, you know, I I kind of feel like, uh, so I know that Brian doesn't give a crap about Ian. And this could be in, like, earn their money and live your own life in secret, yes, but you'll be able to afford it to live it in secret. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Or he could be trying, I, you know, I really think for Brian, this is a what have I got to lose situation. Like, I can tell him to do this thing and maybe what happens is he gets one leg up on the, the hetero man and, okay, okay, well, that's great. Or it's like. Or maybe it does cause some tension with him and Justin. I don't know. So, 
I kind of feel like it's a what have I got to lose situation mm-hmm. for him. But um, yeah, but also like Brian can sell anything. I think he's been saying that over and over in this episode. So I, I don't him. necessarily see pure motives here. But uh, anyway, Ethan says, you probably would have played for the Nazis. And Brian says, if it would have kept me alive for one more day, I would. He says, all they're asking is for you to play their game. And if you're smart, you'll figure out a way to do it to your advantage. And yeah, you know, that part of it, I get. You'll make it work for you. Get over on them while they think that they're controlling you. Like, I get that part of it. But at this point, Ethan is still against it. And that's when Brian tells him there's nothing noble about being poor. I disagree with that, but it's a good line. Why do you disagree? Because I think if it's like I get to keep my integrity and I get to be who I am and I get to live my truth in public and that means that I don't get to get your money, then I think that that is noble still. Very noble. I just want to hear what you say it. Very, (laughs) very noble. But anyway, after this, Messy Brian walks off. We go over to Babylon and Barbie Girl is playing. It's a very fitting song for this episode. Michael, Emmett, Ted, and Brian are all out together. And Emmett and Ted are still at a standstill with the house decision. It's the house of Emmett's dreams, but Ted says that dreams are um, impractical. (laughs) But uh, practicality isn't important to Emmett because he doesn't want a decision to make a decision based on that, based on practicality. That's not his personality. That's Ted's personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, Emmett is the wild child, you know, and he will fix it up. He wants a project. He wants something that he can make his own. He doesn't need it to be brand new. He can come in and give it. It's already. It was already charming, a charming place. He's going to emmetize it, you know, yeah. and jazz it up a little bit. So, I mean, again, I stand with Emmett. I love the house that Emmett chose. Yeah, well, and this is like, it comes down to personality because sometimes I am a, like, practical, logical person, but y'all know I'm a Gemini, so there are two of me. <laughs> and so then the other part of me is like, no, I love this thing. I think this is really cool or really neat. And so, anyway, it comes down to a personality thing where... I get where Ted is coming from. This makes sense financially, but I also get where Emmett is coming from. It's like, okay, but this is the place that I'm going to establish as my home. And I want it to be, I don't want it to be a business decision. I want it to be something that feels right to me, that speaks to me. That's where I'm coming from. I'm a cancer, so I leave with the emotion, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm a cancer, so I leave, stand up my cancer listeners. Um, but I leave with the emotion. And yeah, it, it has to speak to you. It has to call to you, you know? And that's what it's doing for Emmett. Yeah, well, Emmett is over the argument, so he basically just throws in the towel and is like, okay, whatever. He ain't over it, because I'm telling you now, if 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 Ted doesn't actually Every hear him... Every single day in that new house, he's going to be like, well, we could have had... Yeah, no, for real. He ain't over it. Like, Ted, I'm telling you now, you better make the right decision. I swear to God, bro, you're going you're gonna to regret every single day. Yeah, well, while they are talking, a guy is being carried out of the club, and we find out that he is at least the second person who has OD'd that night, so... Babylon's having some things going on. I'm like, down. are they putting some shit in the drinks? <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael says it never changes. Another, person's dro- another person drops and we just keep going. And then we literally see that happen. They just kind of keep going. Well, Ben shows up with a hey, baby. And I'm like, nope. Mm-mm. Girl, you heard me in the show when we were watching it. <laughs> I, I, I would have gave him cold... The freezing shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a, the frost-bitten yeah. shoulder. Got real okay. chilly up in Babylon. Real chilly, okay? Yeah. Get your ass. Why are you at the gym? Yeah. I'm trying to hang out with my friends. Going to the gym, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, Michael is sulking, and he says, I thought you were at the gym. And Ben apologizes and says that he misses him. And then they're, like, kind of making up. And he want, Ben wants to find a quiet corner for him to apologize properly. But Michael <laughs> says he has to make another delivery to the girls. And Ben just turns into the Incredible Hulk. Girl. 
Yeah, he's tired of the lesbians controlling their life. And Michael's like, it's just a few more days. And Ben's like, nope, just forget it. And Michael goes after him to see what's going on with him. But Ben just walks off. And Michael goes back to the bar. Girl, for one, you're not going to embarrass me in front of my friends. Yeah. Two, you're not going to make a public scene like that. And three, you're not going to refer to my friends as the lesbians when you know their damn names. Okay? Yeah. So you- well, and act like you weren't. Like, you're not going to be a part of this in some way, you know, and maybe not in the way that you thought you were going to be a part of it, but you're still going to be involved in this in some way. Well, we already know Ben does not handle stress or deep emotions well. Remember when he snapped at Michael at the surprise birthday party? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So some of this is just like character flaw with Ben, which they all have character flaws. But this is all, again, being heightened by the steroids. Why do I feel like Ben, he'll whoop some ass, though. He he makes me me nervous. Like, I don't like that. Well, he was already big. And then now he's got this whole attitude. He's swole. Like, yeah. Girl, like I don't like this new. You know, I was, I loved Ben. You know, mm-hmm. I loved Ben. But why y'all do this to Michael always? He, this man can't keep <laughs> no man. He's actually fucking trying this time. He can't keep no. I'm mad. Yeah. If I'm Michael, I'm thinking you. Know, I can't do the mood swings and the eggshells. Not every day. Girl, it would have been deuces. It. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, for real. I would have gave the little gave you a little pass for the five o'clock in the morning. Okay, because I'm not a morning person either. For real, I'd have been in a bad yeah. mood too. I would have so. I would have gave you that. Like, okay, baby, you didn't get your Folgers yet. You know, like whatever the case you may need, your Starbucks, you didn't get it. So I'm gonna let that go. But at the club, it's 11, 12 at night. You know what I'm saying? You <laughs> yeah. doing the most. Are you still on tweet on 10? Yeah. I mean, you on 15 at now, this point. You on 15 now, baby. Like, no, nah, it's time no. for you to juice up. I'm going to give you the two fingers. Peace. Yeah. Okay. Well, as Ben is walking out, we see another guy drop on the floor at, at Babylon. So over at Brian's office, uh, Gardner is, um, he's very much on board with Brian's idea to, to hook Stockwell to bring him in. And he says if Stockwell wins, that could possibly pull in enough new business to launch their New York office. And we know enough about Brian in New York now to know that Brian's been trying to make his way there. And so mm-hmm. we can assume that Brian would be heading that New York office. So this is more motivation for him to land this account and to help him be successful in his campaign. Now, at this point, Stockwell hasn't committed yet, but Gardner is already seeing green. Money green, not envy green. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, there is someone waiting inside Brian's office, and they did not call first, but Brian says they didn't have to. Now, pause before we go into this scene. There's a painting there in Brian's office. Can we all just agree that Justin did that painting, like, in season two, and Brian hung it up there? Well, you know what? He's a huge supporter of, of Justin, so I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, I'm going to ignore all other arguments to the contrary. So it's if, we, Justin's. if we could just save time and just all agree, Justin made this painting for Brian's office. If I'd y'all really appreciate down with it. Us, if you ride with us, if you ride with us, you know that's Justin's, okay? And we ain't going to think nothing else. That's right. That's just that's just what it is. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, in Brian's office, waiting for him is none other than none other than Jim Stockwell and. He has found something that will make him pop. Brian was like, you need to find a thing, something that will put you out front. Well, Stockwell has found it. It's an article about five teens who are in the hospital after after a club overdose. And uh, it's about this alarming increase in, in club drug use. And that's the club that Brian was at last night. And uh, probably using a more moderate amount of drugs himself. But I think Brian's now going to have to work a little harder to keep that separation between personal and professional. Yeah, because it hits a little bit, mm. little, little closer to home. Yeah, a little closer to home. Yeah. But that's sleazy. It goes back to what I said earlier about the politicians. Like, they will find whatever, like you said, 
if it's rubbing elbows with the minorities, you know, taking the pictures with the baby, all this and that, he's using kids overdosing. You know what I'm saying? Gay kids overdosing to try to make himself pop to win a race. Right. Some... Instead of really caring about these kids exactly. and what's going on and what's what's prompting them to use drugs. Thank you. you know? Thank you. And that's why, I mean, and I'm not even trying, I was about to get personal with it. I'm not even, I'm, this show is too much because it, it, <laughs> it really, I really embody it and I can yeah. incorporate this into my it real really life. It really just pulls you in. Yeah. yeah. But and you yeah. feel real emotions about really, it. Real emotions. But yeah, that politician, um, Stockwell, is slimy and grimy for that. I just, I just, that just disturbed me. I didn't, I didn't like that he was going to use that story to make himself rise above everyone else and then, yeah. you know, make himself pop with that. Like, yeah. that was just disgusting. So, you know, we have to see kind of how Brian feels about this and how he decides to handle it all. But before we get there, we see Justin at home and Ian has prepared a little celebration there. Turtleneck Justin is in the building. Just want to call that out. Justin <laughs> is the king of the turtleneck, okay? Yes, he is killing all the turtlenecks this season. He slays them. <laughs> he, just, he murders the turtleneck. I love him. Well, Justin notices the wine that he's pouring is not cheap, and that's because uh, Ian has spent his entire day's wages on it. I love that Justin has all this like high society knowledge from his country club up- upbringing. And he still can be in the slums, <laughs> in the shanty with over there yeah, with Yeah, he's with still Ian. in the shanty, but he's got his like country club upbringing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he tells Justin that he's worth it. He's worth this expensive bottle of champagne or Which whatever. Which Justin has. been sneaking his whole life. So I'd be like, okay, like <laughs> yeah. this is new to you. Yeah. Well, Justin wants to know what they are celebrating. And Ethan says, you and me being together. And then he slips in, no matter what happens. Um, and Justin's like, uh, now what now? And that's when he tells him that he's been thinking about signing the deal. Well, Justin, of course, wants to know what changed his mind. And Ethan says, well, I can't play on the street forever. And I get where he's coming from. And I'm not saying that this is the decision that I would make, but I'm also speaking on it in 2021 and not in early 2000s, where I know that there are people who have jumped through all sorts of hoops because there was no way for them to make it without doing so. So I'm not really judging that. Like, I know that there have been Black women who have passed as white women to get jobs or whatever in uh, but also there are straight men who have passed as gay men to get a foot in the door in an industry that usually only accepts women and gay men. And so mm-hmm. I know sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So I'm not judging that. Yeah, it's just it's like we said before. I mean, I'm not going to beat it again. Tough situation. I mean, it really put a very, very, very hard um, decision on this young man's shoulder. Well, Justin says, well, I don't expect you to play on the street forever. Like no one does. And I think what Justin is saying it's say like, this might look like what I said earlier. This might look like the opportunity of a lifetime, but is it really if you can't really be you? So mm-hmm. the real opportunity of a lifetime could still come around. And so he says, and then that opportunity, what he's getting at is that opportunity won't require you to deny who you are, are or to deny us. And I don't think he's being totally selfish because Justin does feel very strongly about people being true to themselves. And not living a lie to make it easy for yourself or for someone else. Because like, he could have done that. He could have lived that lie and stayed in a nice house, had his college and stuff paid for, all this and that. But he chose to live his authentic life. Right. And we saw what came with all of that. Right. Well, and then you think back to, I think it was season one with Vic in the bathroom scene. Like, mm-hmm. he was like, no, stand up for yourself. That's not true. That's not what happened. Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Be honest and just kind of accept whatever comes with that. Um. So I do think that part of Justin really just stands up for for that. But also, he's aware that this decision will affect him in some way because they are together. 
Well, Ian tries to find some cojones and attempts to say with conviction, there's nothing noble about being poor. Well, Justin recognizes that line. Quickly. Yeah, because he heard Brian say that earlier at the diner. And I just believe that a lot of what Brian says gets lodged into Justin's memory anyway. Mm -hmm. And so he immediately recognized where that came from. And when Justin asks him where he heard that, Ethan, like, can't even respond. <laughs> so, because he looks stupid. Like, you yeah. took advice from my ex. Right. Like, you look it's dumb like, really, as hell. dude? Like, really? Bro, yeah. some shit like that, that'll make me want to go back on over there to that loft, okay? For real. Well, and Justin's, like, not even going to get into that with him. But he, so he continues his conversation with Ethan. He's like, okay, well, tell me how, how, how will this work going forward? And Ethan says, we'll make it an adventure. We'll have secret rendezvous and toward encounters. And I'm thinking, that works in in a romance novel. But out here in the real world, that's not as fun and cute as it sounds. And you're going to be on the road all the time. You know what I'm saying? So how is Justin? Justin going to have a real... You're on the road. Justin has a real life, you know, as an artist. He's not going to always be with you. How's that even going to work? It's not going to work like that all the time. And we're hidden everywhere we go. Like, I'm going to be tucked away again. Mm -hmm. Like Justin says, I came out of the closet once. I'm not going back in. And and I I can respect what he's saying. Um, And Ethan says, I'm not asking you to, but people don't need to know. Ethan says, people don't need to know who who we are or what we mean to each other. And I'm like, I I know what you're saying, but all warning signs point to no for me. Just, all warning signs <laughs> yeah. point to N-O. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to make a final call on whether or not I'm on board with this yet or if I think Justin should be. But I just don't see how this helps Justin continue to recover the parts of himself that he lost after the bashing. And also, it would be back to pretending he's not in, re- in a relationship. And Same shit he got from Brian. Exactly. And so, like, that just feels like moving backwards to me. So I don't think that's the direction that he really needs to Mm-mm. needs to move in. But again, I'll say I really do appreciate this whole conversation because this is so real. I know I imagine that this has happened to a lot of gay men and lesbian women. And I'm sure people from all over the LGBTQIA plus community can share stories about this. So I really appreciate that they that they dealt with it like okay, you want to succeed in this field and here's what it takes. You can't really be yourself here. So I really appreciate that they dealt with that. Yeah, me too. And Ethan says, all that matters is that is that we know. And I'm like, okay, maybe. Um, it was sweet in that. Like, I mean, it, it was. It was sweet. But I don't think Ethan was saying it to be sweet. I think he was saying it to make Justin be okay with, with the decision that Ethan was making that's going to affect Justin's life. Definitely, definitely that. I mean, he was he was trying to play him. He was. But I think he really he really meant it in that moment. But at the same time, he's like, he sees that carrot been dangled in front of him. Mm-hmm. He wants to grab it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know if there's going to be another opportunity. Right. You know? I can't blame him for wanting to dang- yeah. grab what's dangling in front of him. I can't blame him for that. So, I mean, like, I, I think when he said it, yes, he wanted to make it sound good so Justin could come with him. But also, I think he does mean it. Like, yeah. hey, I love you. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, we know for a fact Ethan will tell any and everybody how much he loves Justin. But yeah. I think trying to convince Justin to be on board with this, I think there's a little bit of manipulation happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely got... It has to be that. Because yeah. Justin's not, not... He's not here for that. No. Well, then we see Michael and Emmett out walking. And Emmett tells Michael that at one point in his childhood, his family was so poor they had to live in a tent. I'm like, poor, poor Emmett. I love when we get more backstory on, on all of these characters. But I like to hear about Emmett in particular. And so this house decision means a lot to Emmett in a lot of ways. Like, he's always wanted something, 
that was his and a place that he can call home and feel secure in and feel safe in. And so this decision to him means more than just like what's a what's the smart financial investment. And he really wants the charming old house, but he says that he'll learn to love the place that that Ted picks. And I really feel like Emmett would make an effort. No, he would. I mean, I was being funny earlier. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see him being petty like that because I mean, Emmett really is just a sweet, down to earth person. Yeah, and long as he has the love of his life, he will make the best of what they have. You know, Mm -hmm. I think so. Well, they arrive at Woody's, and Vic, Debbie, Jennifer, and Ted have been waiting for them. And Ted tells Emmett that their offer was accepted, and Jennifer congratulates them on their new house. And I love the banter here between Vic and Debbie, and they're talking about the pros and cons of being a home a homeowner because this is all very true. <laughs> like the more you own, the more that can break and fall apart. So true. And uh, Emmett is listening to Vic and Debbie as they're commenting on pictures of the new house, and he's like, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. No, you've got the wrong house." Well, turns out Ted picked the house that Emmett wanted. Oh. Because he wanted Emmett to be happy. Good on you, Teddy. Ted Ted is the perfect boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, he really is. Like, he's caring. He's loving. I think what what really helps him is that they were best friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, this is a huge step in sacrifice for Ted. To not do the smart business financial thing. That's a huge sacrifice for Ted. And so he really loves Emmett and wants him to be happy. By going with this other house. Well, in the long run, he really did make a good choice because if this house needs all this work to be fixed up, when you do all the renovations, your, your property value goes up. So, True that. Well, and Jennifer got them to bring the price down. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. You're going to win in the long run. Yeah. And you're going to be there for at least 30 years. I mean, so, I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, over on the TV at the bar, Stockwell is on and uh, he's talking about this whole club drug use story and he says that he's going to intensify his efforts to protect the streets to make pittsburgh family friendly and meaning straight friendly he's going to take back the streets protect our kids and this whole return to respectable family friendly stuff just sounds very familiar a little too familiar but yeah, yeah i'm not yeah, gonna speak in yeah, specific not, terms we're but not. it just sounds very familiar yeah, uh, yeah. i didn't like that at all it, it didn't sit well and again, that's why he's slimy and grimy and gross, taking this <laughs> the sensitive subject and turning it into this. And then you are not helping out the community at all. You're only trying to help out what you think needs to be done for the straight community. Right. And it's like people live on those streets that you're talking about and they are happy there. Thank you. Yes, so, there might be some drug issues going on. There's but, drug issues everywhere, just not right. in that community either. So, I mean, stop trying to focus on just that community. And um and get it together. If you're the police chief who's running for mayor, this is your whole entire city. Get it together. You need to care about every constituent here, yes. Well, then Michael gets home and he's gearing himself up to deal with Ben because like, okay, at some point we got to get this figured out. Well, he walks toward their bedroom and he sees Ben there injecting himself with uh, steroids. I'm glad he saw that. Now he can know that it's not him. Although Michael burns me up and gets under my skin and oh, get on that last gosh, nerve. But I was supposed to say three nice things about Michael this episode. <laughs> I, did we? I don't think we did. No, I did. said I was supposed yeah. to. I'm still coming. I'm still working on that. Give me a minute. Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad, I'm glad he was able to, to witness this. And now he knows that, yo, it's not me. This man got something that's going on. And also, clearly, I don't know who you are. How long have you been doing this? What are you? What, what is going on? I wish we would have got more into that tonight. Yeah. Michael doesn't confront him, and I, I don't think he knows what to do or say. I think it's kind of like all falling into place for him, and 
He doesn't really look angry, scared, or hurt. I think he's just kind of like totally shocked. I mean, I think this is probably the last thing that he expected Ben to be doing. And so, yeah, we got to see what Michael is going to do about that. Well, we see Justin and he's walking through Babylon and he is not dressed to dance. He is there on a mission. He finds Brian in the back room and uh, he dismisses Brian's trick quickly and tells Brian, like, you need to keep your mouth shut. And he says, asks him, what did you tell Ethan? And he says, the truth. And Justin quotes his line, there's nothing noble about being poor. Like, I know that came from you. I know you wouldn't talk to him. And then Brian says, oh, he actually listened. And he kind of chuckles. And so I think Brian was baiting him. Mm -hmm. I think he was trying to see, will he take this bait if I dangle this in front of him? Is Ethan really this person who's like all about integrity and sticking to his morals and all this stuff? Or is there a price? Right. Because, yeah, that's, that's what they say. Everybody's everybody got, got theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, Justin tells him he more than listened. He actually signed the papers. And then Brian says, oh, well, good for him. And so this is what I mean by Brian was kind of like in a what have I got to lose situation. And this is why I be having this love and hate relationship with Brian. <laughs> Finish up what he says. Okay. Yeah. When Brian says good for him, Justin says what? That he sold out. And then Brian says maybe he maybe his recordings would do the same. And he goes on to say, although personally, I could never stand violin music. And see, this is where we find we are reminded Brian doesn't care about Ethan being heard. He doesn't care about his music being sold. Oh, you work so hard on your craft and nobody's going to get to hear you. Brian doesn't care about that. And Brian's kind of tricky because I can see him saying, play their game, but make it work for you. But I can also see him saying, if they don't accept you, forget them. And so you never really know which side he's leaning for. But here, I think. It really is. He was just trying to see if I put this in front of in front of Ethan, will he do it? Will he take this bait? Well, Justin tries a different angle and probably one that means more to him. He asks, well, what about me? And there's a slight tremor to his voice when he says this. Like, and his eyes are watery. Yeah, because it's like, you know that this what this is going to mean for me. You know that this is going to put me back in the closet. This is going to put me in a weird spot. Like, Justin knows that Brian has gone out of his way to help him since their breakup. And I think he expected Brian to care that it would affect and possibly hurt him if Ethan went through with this contract. But Brian says, well, what about you? You expect him to sacrifice your career for a... A piece of blonde boy ass? This is, again, this is why I can't stay. Yeah, that was a harsh line. And then he says, is that your idea of true love, sunshine? Now, that was low. Very (laughs) low. All of it was low. I think Justin was asking... Were you, Brian, considering me when you gave him that advice? And what Brian says in response is that you don't matter. Uh, Mm, Yeah, mm, mm. he's going to do whatever is best for his career. And it hurts that Brian is saying that. And it hurts that Ethan is doing it. Um, And then he insults him by saying, basically saying, you're no different from the next blonde boy. Like, what makes you so special? And I'm like, that was the whole issue in his relationship with Brian? That he didn't feel special or significant? And then now going over to this thing with Ethan where he thought he was going to get more. And it's like, it's the same thing all over again. Yeah, so it hurts. And I don't think that Brian has ever hurt Justin in a way that made him feel like he was nothing or to this extent. But he did it now. And it hurt me. It made me so upset in that moment. I ended like, this is why I hate this man. (laughs) But but okay. But here's what I think is happening in Brian's mind. I think he's letting himself be mad and he's taking it out on Justin. He hasn't done that yet. Like, he's been upset about this situation. He's taking it out 
taking it out on himself on lots of drugs and on some tricks in a nonviolent way. But he hasn't turned any of that anger on Justin until until now. And even though there might be some vindication in hearing that Ethan is going to sign this contract and like, ah, I was right about him all along. I knew he was all talk, all show. Uh, and he was able to manipulate Ethan and bring him down a peg in Justin's eyes. I think seeing that he was right about Ethan being a doughy-eyed schoolboy and all of that, he's mad that Justin couldn't see her or didn't believe it. I think he's mad that Justin fell for that. And so I think this is the first time his anger is really coming out at Justin. And so he takes all that anger and it packs, he packs it in a very verbal punch that he knows will hurt Justin deeply. And he calls him sunshine when he does that. He never calls him that. Not in a way, not to hurt not him. To hurt, no. Yes. Even though, you know, Brian wouldn't call it this or confess it to him, it's a term of endearment mm -hmm. when he says it. And Justin is just stunned and he just kind of looks at him. He doesn't cry, but I think he's seeing something in Brian that he's never seen before. And it's anger for sure, but I think he's also registering the hurt and the betrayal. Um, and not that he feels sorry for Brian is okay with what Brian is saying, it. but I think he can see all that there. And I don't think Brian's trying to show those last two. He's not trying to show the hurt and the betrayal. But Justin's smart enough to pick up. Oh, on yeah. That. He might have not seen Ian's, aka Ethan. He, <laughs> he may have not have seen that coming, but he he knows Brian. Yeah. Then he walks away from Justin, just kind of like he's nothing to find another guy to finish him finish him off. But I think it's because at this point he realizes that he's revealing how truly hurt he what he is, how truly betrayed he felt. And of course, we know Brian doesn't want to reveal that. Uh, so he he walks away. Well, Justin is still kind of processing all of what just happened. And before he walks away, he looks almost disgusted, you know, with what Brian has said to him. Because it was very, very hurtful. Yeah, it was a little hard. Um, yeah. And, you know, but, you know, a part of Justin is thinking, so is that what I was to you all along? And I think he thought that they had worked out this understanding that they still cared for each other on some level. You know, and, and definitely coming off last episode where... I think Brian has some kind of indication or hint that maybe Justin's feelings for him weren't totally gone, mm -hmm. you know? So, anyway, it's just, this is rough, you know? Just in the last episode, that's when Justin helped save Brian from a very serious accusation. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this boy always goes out on a limb for you. Mm -hmm. God, yes, you're financially there for him, but he's always there emotionally there for you. Come on now. And that's all he's ever wanted from you was some emotion. Yes. And, and, and it I was know. A, it was a hard, uh, yeah, that was a low blow, a hard hit. It was. And I know that's your boy and all. You know, I like them together. Separately, you know where I stand. <laughs> but also for Justin, he's thinking about Ethan, too. And it's like, okay, I thought we had this understanding, but just with a little bit of a nudge from Brian, now Ethan is selling out for this contract. Exactly. So what does that mean later on when the company's getting you to ask you to do all these other things? You know what I'm saying? Right. Are you going to trade up and do, do that then? Because yeah. if Brian, somebody you don't even like, can get you to do this, when they start dangling more money in front of you and telling you you need to go on this appearance and, and kiss this girl and do this and that, are you going to do that? Are you going to, you know what I'm saying, jeopardize us? If you're easily that persuaded, so... Well, uh, luckily, Justin has done a bit of growing and healing this season, kind of on his own, because if this was season two, Justin, I would expect him to just fling himself into the sun at this point after after Brian's comment and after Ethan taking this contract. And yeah, I will say I'm not sure what he was hoping Brian would say when he went to confront him at Babylon. Surely he didn't expect an apology or a retraction, but I know he wasn't expecting Brian to go this 
this slow. Brian went left. <laughs> yeah, but when we see Brian's face, at first he's trying to keep that tough and indifferent exterior in place, but when Justin walks off, we see that it kind of hurt him just as much to say that and to, um, to Justin. I don't think he intended to go that far, but um, that hurt and anger had been festering for a while, and it was going to spill over one day. And it makes sense that it was triggered by Justin coming to him to confront him about something related to Ethan. So, yes, Brian was harsh and mean, and I think he knows that immediately. He won't take it back because it's not how Brian works, but mm. I think he does feel the emotions um, that resulted in those words also. And so he feels like, no, I'm right. He he was lying and he is a sellout. But uh, I think even though he feels that he was right in saying that Ethan wasn't all he pretended to be, um, I think uh, he doesn't really want he knows that he's hurt Justin, and I don't think that's really what he wants to do. You remember how, like, two episodes ago, we was upset with Michael for yeah. getting in Justin's uh, and Brian's business? Uh-huh. Should we be mad at Brian for getting in Ethan and Justin's business? In a way, we could be, but I think that Brian is uncovering something in Ethan that... Ethan uh, decided to say no. He may, may have would have been resentful in the end, but he would have still been with his man. Right, but then, so all Brian did was come and present it to present the same offer in a different way, and then Ethan was like, "Okay, well, yeah, maybe." And so that's why I meant earlier, like he said no, but did he really mean no when he said it? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so Brian is not at all into what's happening in the back room anymore. We see him kind of sniffle, and I'm sure he's just wiping sweat, or maybe it's related to some poppers or something, but. Even still, I think he's an emotional mess right now. Again, kind of back to where he started this season. So. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely back. I'm back in effect. Oh, Lord. But I love this episode. This episode was funny, but it also made you think a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, We got, we barely got, we got a little bit of Brian, but the parts we got of Brian were very strong. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have got more of um of Ben and Michael as well because I want to know what's going on with that journey. So I'm I'm dying to see the rest of the season. I mean, this season is it's not disappointing at all. No, not like, at all. It's popping right now. I love season three. Okay, before we end here, I've got a speed round of what ifs that were Ooh. submitted by one of our listeners. So let's talk through some of these. It's a speed round, so you don't have long to answer. Okay. All right. All right. So. Here we go. Starting with the first one. Number one, if Justin didn't travel to Vermont and was home to hear Brian call him partner when he got back home, when he got yeah. the partnership, do you think it would have made a difference or changed anything? Definitely. It would have changed. I mean, if he wouldn't have been there and he saw how happy Brian was and, you know, like I said, Brian called him, Brian called him partner. It, it was like, it's us. We've made it. This is what we, you know, like this is what we've done together. So I think him leaving kind of showed Brian like, okay. This is what you're about. Like, don't make ultimatums for me. So, yeah, if he would have stayed and would have been home for Brian, because Brian rushed home, things would have been way different to me, in my eyes. What do you think? Uh, Okay, let me answer it in a minute. Number two, if Ethan if Ethan never showed up at Babylon during the rage party, do you think Justin would have gone to look for Ethan? Oh, hell no. Hell no. Ethan just made it. No, with Ethan being there, it just made it easier. You know, like, oh, my God, you showed up. You're here for me. You care for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you on to the first person that cares for me. So, no, absolutely not. If Ethan would have never came, no. They would would still be (laughs) bright and like a mug. If Jennifer or a nurse told Justin that Brian was at the hospital every night, would it have made a difference? Absolutely. It would have made a difference. Um, Justin doesn't know any of that. 
Um, he thinks Brian is heartless and careless. Um, the fact that Brian was there every freaking night, yeah, that would have make a difference for sure. I love that question, by the way. Yeah. Number four, if Justin somehow remembered all of the prom, not just the bashing part, would that change or prevent the breakup? Absolutely. That was a magical moment. It was like the Cinderella moment. You know, it was so magical. So I think, yeah, that would have just, that would have been a love of a, a lifetime. He could have always kept that memory. That would always been that spark when they felt like they was going downhill. He could always went back to that memory and that would have given that spark. Like, you know what? This man, he did this for me, you know? So yeah, I think they would still be together. All right. And number five, if Ethan had never been born, would Justin have left Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now, if Ethan would have just never showed up to the damn club, he would have never left Brian. So Ethan <laughs> is just a filler at the moment. He's the rebound. And we all know the rebounds don't last, y'all. Why don't yeah. you guys go ahead and let me know. How long do they last? I want to know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's, he's a rebound. It, it ain't going to work. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I But I do think that there was a part of Justin that at some point was going to want to see how the other half lives, if I can say it that way. Because he's young and this is his first relationship, and so I think there's going to be a part of him that would just want to explore, okay, what would it be like to be in a relationship with a person like this? Now, I think if some of these what-ifs, you know, had gone differently, then maybe the breakdown of their relationship wouldn't have happened so soon or wouldn't have been so, like, devastating and hard to watch. I think what was hard about it is there were so many things and so many times it was like, if you just do this or if you could do that, like, there were so many small things here and there that could have prevented this whole breakup. But um, I do think that part of it is part of Justin's just personal journey and him growing, him wanting to explore something that was different. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it weren't, if it wasn't Ethan, it could have been somebody else or it could have been him branching out, just being on his own. I don't think he would have. I, I don't think he would have branched out to be on his own. Yeah. It would have mm. been someone else. Yeah. It would have been some other, some other kind of relationship because really he gets the best of both worlds and being with Brian, like yeah. he gets to trick and all that stuff, but also gets to have someone that he loves. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that was the episode in our little special round of uh, Speed What Ifs. Oh, I love that, y'all. Uh, if yes. y'all could put that together one more time. Yes, okay. anybody, please send us yes. some. send it, send it. We, you know we love to hear back from you guys. And uh, if we miss anything or y'all see something different than we saw, please leave your comments. You know, it's an interactive thing. We do this as a, a unit. So without you guys, we, would, we couldn't do this. So, and um, thank you guys for listening and always tuning in and always sharing your beautiful thoughts and opinions. We love to hear them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. You have anything else? Okay, so this is a, actually part of a little segment that is supposed to be called Eshel's Epilogues, and these are supposed to be on the backside of all of the episodes we've done so far and the ones to come. And so maybe this will become a thing, and maybe it'll be like a separate feature. But I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about the bracelet from the last episode from. 304. And there's a reason I didn't talk about it then. And yes, we are going to do a deep dive about a bracelet. In season one, it was a scarf. So just get on board with this and don't question it. <laughs> so I've heard that the the decision to get rid of Brian's bracelet was more of a decision made by the props team. Like out in the real world at that time, those bracelets were pretty popular. So a lot of extras would be seen on set wearing them. Now, I haven't heard that firsthand, just second or third hand. But that's fair. Um, and if, if that's all the reason or explanation you need for Brian taking off his bracelet and us not seeing again, then feel free to take this exit here. But I wanted to do a little more digging because, of course, I did. 
So I reached out to one of the writers, and he couldn't quite remember, but he told me that he would check his archive of scripts and get back to me. And he is the single most amazing person on the planet for indulging me in my ridiculousness. Uh, So part of my stalling was because I wanted to see his response, and I didn't want to form my own opinions without having that information just yet. So here's a little plug for him. He's the creator of um, Tiny Pretty Things on Netflix, so go watch that if you haven't seen it yet. There are times when I'm comfortable just sharing my own opinion and interpretation, but I also like to explore the writer's intent and dig into that a bit more. Even with that, I mean, I know that I'm still projecting sometimes. And yes, Ken and I subject you guys to nothing but our opinions all the time, but I do want them to have some basis in canon or intent or actually, you know, what's seen on screen. Anyway, so the writer did get back to me and he sent me a picture that he'd taken of the last page of the script. In the final version of the script that was actually written, that scene ends a bit different. Now, that's not fresh news. A lot of you already know this, but it ends with, in the script, it ends with Brian closing the door and then looking at the bracelet. And so this writer told me that that change must have been worked out between the the director and the actors. That also explains why the dialogue never addresses it and why it seems like we just kind of move on and they don't even acknowledge that he took it off and it's not there anymore. Uh, The scripts for most of, if not all of this season, would have already been finalized by the time they started filming. So if this wasn't a scripted move, that means the script wouldn't deal with it, of course. So since I have nothing better to do with my time, I did some digging based on that. The director for this episode is Carrie Scogland. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And also big ups to all the female identifying directors. We definitely need more of them getting exposure. She also directed episode 105 and 106. 106 is one of my favorites. That's the one where Justin has his first art show and Brian buys Justin's uh, drawing. So a lot has gone down since the episode she directed in season one. And I would imagine this director definitely noticed the change and the growth in Brian's character and in his relationship with Justin. So funny thing, in my mind, this is my headcanon. Brian is sentimental in some ways. I think he keeps that drawing from 106 locked away somewhere. And I think he puts that bracelet there as well. Like wherever he has that that drawing and the scarf, I think this bracelet also goes there. And I've always felt that way, even before I knew that these episodes had the same director. So just kind of a random thing there. But yeah, since this was a director's choice, I wanted to explore it a little more. What gets conveyed if Brian leaves the door open instead of closing it? That one is obvious, especially after they set up They set it up with the line, shouldn't you be getting back to your boyfriend? But what about him taking off the bracelet and why is Justin returning it? Like, why not send it back with Debbie or have him get it in some other way? We and Brian find out that it was all resolved when Justin shows up at the loft returning the bracelet. So he's returning Brian's good name and he's also returning something tied to his name or more accurately put, tied to his persona. We started season one with Brian wearing this bracelet And you really don't even pay much attention to it. It's just a part of him, a part of his skin. The only other time it's featured is when Ted lives out his fantasy of being Brian. He's at the loft and he's using Brian's bed. And these are the tricks that Brian set up. But the bracelet is the thing that tied it all together. And so if you're going to embody Brian or if you're going to be Brian or impersonate him, you have to have the bracelet. It was like that important to being Brian Stud Kenny. Now, Justin knew that Brian got his bracelet in Mexico and that his initials were carved in it. We can reasonably assume that Brian told him whatever details he recalled from when he got it. 
And so Justin would know that it's all kind of part of the package. Whatever was going on in Brian's life and his lifestyle and his mind at the time, that's all wrapped up in this in this bracelet. We don't see Brian make a conscious choice to leave the door open. It's just like a natural thing. It just seems like the right thing to do, I guess. So he doesn't even think about it. He just leaves it open. And I don't know that Brian is actively processing and assessing whether or not that bracelet suits him anymore, but I think he just innately knows that it doesn't. He lets Justin put it on him, but he's enjoying that closeness and he won't even apologize for it. But he knows that Justin thinks it's important to him. And I think were he to take it from Justin and say, I don't need it or want it, it minimizes Justin's effort. It minimizes Justin making the effort to return it. And it doesn't seem, it doesn't send the right message. So Brian makes the decision on his own that it doesn't fit him anymore. And Justin is pivotal in him coming to that realization because there was something he wanted more than that persona. And that something was just standing in his doorway touching him. So he left the door open to the one thing or to a person. And he sort of pulled the plug on the other thing or the persona. He doesn't need the persona with Justin because Justin has always seen past it anyway. And Justin fell in love with the real man, not the persona. And so I think what we're seeing in this scene, and perhaps I'm making too big of a deal out of it, but that's fine because this is how I understand it and how I interpret it. Uh, I think he's shedding a layer of that persona here. Not the whole thing. Those walls and hangups and insecurities are, uh, those layers are thick there. But I do think that this is another layer gone. Sound good? All righty, well, guys, like we always say, until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.